close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brendan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 55, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brennan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Looking forward to getting into haunted pubs. Ooh, I like getting into pubs. Either way, the food <laughs> and the drink makes me happy. This is true, haunted or not. <laughs> and we had originally intended to record this episode in a haunted pub. Yes, we did. And then I failed to organize it. Ah, uh, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, having all the equipment moved to another place is kind of a pain. It, yes, it, I know. Well, we have to do it every time to go to the studio. I and know. I'm not a fan. But, but at least when going to the studio, we know what we're in for. Yeah, that's it. In terms of where the plugs are and how quiet it <laughs> yeah. is. So maybe to the people who offered, thank you very much. Incredibly kind. And uh, we will hopefully, maybe we'll get another opportunity to do that. Maybe we'll just go there and drink. We could do that. (laughs) They do have a pretty nice, I think they make these little sliders with, anyways, not important. Oh, they make their own beer too. It's amazing. It's a four mile. Yeah. They brew their own beer. I had no idea. Yeah. Blackberry Porter. Ooh. I know. Oh, damn. I know. All right. Well, another time then. How's your week been? How has my week been? My week has been okay. Uh, allergy season has started. I know. Not yeah, a fan. I, I got it too. You will hear me uh, plug up over the course of the next <laughs> yes. hour. Uh, and there's nothing I can do about it. So no. I apologize for that now. Yeah, no, same here. I Well, uh, thankfully, I can cut out the sneezing. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it's not much fun. No. And of course, I'm I'm heading over tomorrow. Yes. Really, you know, sort of less than... 12 hours from now, yeah. uh, over to Vancouver to be with my friend who is yeah. not well. And yeah. I have been super paranoid about getting sick right. because he can't have anyone with illness near him. No. And so it's been this sort of cycle of anxiety. Once I decided to make the trip, it's just <laughs> been this constant, you know, wait, am I okay? Wait, am I? Cause, and I have enough medical anxiety as like, I know you do. I was going to say, what? You anxious? Oh man. No. But, uh, so I'm looking forward to being in Vancouver and yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing my friend, you know, even though he's in the situation yeah, he's being in. being supportive. But, uh, he's on the mend, you know, it's going to take a long time, Good, but, yeah. but he's on the mend. Good. And, uh, yeah, actually speaking of on the mend, I was going to do this at the end of the show, but I, I thought I'd do it here. Just wanted to give a shout out to Tiffany, uh, who is one of our listeners who had a real bad time. Sort of her own uh, medical crisis. Right. That we're not, we won't get into, but I uh, just wanted to say we're thinking of you. Yeah. And we're glad to hear that you're on the men too. Definitely. How about you, Ian? How's your week? Um, it's pretty good. I uh, got some blood work done. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so back in December, uh, when I was first like, you know, getting treatment for this whole uh, acromegaly brain tumor thing, um, my blood sugar was very, very high. I think we should just rename the show Our Shitty Bodies. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, okay. Here, yeah, watch as we break down physically. <laughs> In real time. Um, so, like, a normal blood sugar for a regular human. Right. <laughs> is, in Canada, because it's different in the States, is 4.5 to 6.0. Oh. That's what good blood sugar level should be. Right. That's mine, for a human, though. What about for you? Yeah, mine was 21. <laughs> oh. The doctor was actually, she's like, um, you're going to start this now because I'm concerned you may have a stroke. You're mostly sugar cube. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it explained a lot of symptoms I was having. Yes. (laughs) Um, but anyway, um, I've been on this shot now, um, 
since December. And one of the blood tests I got today is called the A1C, and it takes an average of your blood sugar over the course of three months. Right. And today I got a 6.1. Fantastic. And so next month it should be actually within normal human range. You celebrated by ordering a pizza with a cookie with a large chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Yeah. It was delicious. But now my body can handle it. Yay! Well, this is true. Cause for celebration. Cause for celebration. So, uh, yeah, I've got that going on, and uh, I'm feeling a lot better. My hands are returning to normal human proportion. That's great. From the swell, swollen meat mittens. They yeah, the Andre the Giant look was not good on no, you. No, it wasn't. So, um, yeah. So I, and I want to thank everybody for being so supportive and sending me little messages and stuff. I really, really appreciated it. So thank you for all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess it's all good news, really. Yeah, it is. It's great news. We're all in one piece, more or less. Absolutely. Everyone's getting better. Well, we're all going to die sometime, but you know, some of us are on a quicker path than others, <laughs> and right now, my brakes are on, so I'm a happy man. The nihilism story, guys. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get to Haunted Pubs, yeah. I'd like to acknowledge our musical guest. Yes. Uh, our guest on this episode is actually Kevin Eustace, host mm-hmm. of the We Need to Talk About Ghost podcast. Who is from England, where pubs come from. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know that they came from there, but... Just go with it. Okay. It's a tie-in. Sure. The yeah. land of pubs. The land of pubs. Yes. But uh, yes, Kevin is a host of We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Which is so funny. It's a lot of fun. It is so funny. I don't know how he does it by himself. Like you and I, the reason this works is because we kind of bounce off each other. Yes. I think Kevin's just bouncing off the wall because he is so funny. Oh, I wish I had a fifth of that energy. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Kevin also is a very talented musician. Yeah, he is. And the song we'll be featuring tonight is called Go. And I'm not certain if that's from an album. I I found it on his SoundCloud account. Okay. But he does have albums on iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, and all those places. Check it out. Yes. When we come back from the break, we'll be telling stories of haunted pubs. Welcome back. As we said before the break, on this episode, we'll be talking about haunted pubs. Yep. And uh, I'm trying to think if I have ever been in a haunted pub. Actually, yes, of course. Just down the street from my apartment yeah. is the Bent Mass Which pub. is in my book, Victoria's Most Haunted. Did you write a book? I did. I wouldn't know. No, it sold well. Um, <laughs> it's, it did uh, too, you pricks. <laughs> yeah, the Bent Mass is oh, messed up. There's a very angry little old lady in there. Oh, really? Yeah, and she's been known to push people down the stairs, um, pop up in the bathrooms. Because, of course, where else would you put the public bathrooms in a pub but up a flight of stairs? Yeah, I I never understood that. weird. I guess it's a space issue, but... um, It is. It is. And it is an old house. Like, there's no getting around it. It was never designed to be a pub specifically. I did notice recently there is a change of uh, planning or change of zoning... Oh, is board there? up in front of the pub? So um, I wonder if they're, they're going to expand it or knock it down or I would say knock it, it down because that's such an old house. It's, it's a dump. Really bad. I, we used to say that was the place the party went to die <laughs> because they're open till two yeah. every night and they serve food right up to the end. So we would back when my drinking days we'd party downtown and a lot of those places close at midnight. So then we'd walk down to, to James Bay yeah. and go to the mast. 
but it, and I don't know if this is a function of the haunting or what, but the fun just gets sucked out of you there. I think there it is a function of the haunting. It feels dark. It feels grainy They've in there. Repainted it white, but it still feels dark. Well, they know it. Yeah, they know there's something wrong there. Um, some of the staff. There's a couple of stories in the book from the staff. It's just not oh, a yeah. good place to be. No, and I'm trying to think. There is there are other haunted pubs. Actually, one of the first places you and I hung out, the Four Mile Pub, where yeah. we were thinking about recording this episode yeah. before I, you know, did my massive, massively wonderful job of organizing things. <laughs> uh, that is haunted as well. You yeah. and I were, I think a waitress was telling us about yeah. that. Yeah, that one's got a ghost in it. And also the Emily Carr, um, the James Bay Inn. Oh, of course. Emily Carr is in that pub. Like, I would actually, oh, and the Barden Banker haunted i didn't realize the that. ghost of robert service at least there's um, something the interesting poet. happening in there uh, <laughs> uh, i would say there's actually more haunted pubs than there are non-haunted pubs in victoria anyway that's fascinating yeah um the spinnakers oh has, really has a ghost oh yeah so they're all pretty now wasn't there a story out. about the six mile pub oh that's the 17 mile pub you, would you mind telling that story well it wasn't my story okay so in victoria we have pubs that went every two miles Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, 10, uh, 12, right up. And then 17 was a bit of an anomaly over the year. Most of them are gone. So we're now left with the four, the six, the 12 was around until recently. It's gone now. And the 17, and uh, there was a lady who was in the 17 mile pub and she has, she's very sensitive to spirits. And in the 17 mile pub, they would have problems with things happening, plates tipping over, uh, things hitting the ground, um, all sorts of weirdness. And they just sort of chalked it up to, oh, we have a ghost, haha. Well, this lady was able to go in and determine exactly who it was and what was going on. And unfortunately, the it was the ghost of a young girl whose mother and later herself were kept chained upstairs in the pub. Oh God. They were first nations and they were kept up there for. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they both ended up dying up there and the girl is very angry about this. And so she came down and she would cause all sorts of mayhem down in the pub. Right. And she basically told this one, this woman really had to work hard to get this girl to talk to her because she says, no one ever helps. Of course. No one ever helps me. Why would I talk to you? And she said, please tell me what I can do. This girl said, I want a white flower, a a living white flower by the cash register. If people have to pass their money and their, their credit cards over this white flower, that will make me happy because in some way we're being acknowledged. Right. And so she's like, okay. So feeling like a crazy person, she went and she talked to the manager and she went and bought the white flower. And she said, this is what needs to happen here. She's promised that if you do this, the activity will die down. Right. She will knock it off. And the manager is like, all right, yeah, we'll give it a whirl. And uh, apparently it did. It worked. As long as that white flower is there, or was there, I don't know if they still do it, but the activity settled down. So maybe this young girl found some peace through that. Well, maybe. Um, I, I certainly know, hope so. But it was, it was a sad sort of testament to our history uh, yeah. as a country. You know yeah, what I no, mean? That's like, it. And the way we treated the First Nations people. So, yeah, but it was, it was pretty interesting. No kidding. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe we'll get started with uh, these stories of haunted pubs. The Jester's Court. This story takes place in Port Perry, Ontario, in a pub called the Jester's Court. My brother's birthday is in the fall, and one fall, when I was about nine years old, my family decided to celebrate his birthday with a dinner at the court. I remember walking into the restaurant and feeling very warm and at home. There was a large fireplace, lots of rooms to choose from, and great service. Even now, the Jester's Court is a good place to go. 
For my brother's birthday, we were taken to the back of the restaurant, to a bright little room with a lot of windows. After our beverages arrived, I had to use the bathroom, so the waitress sent me to a long staircase leading up to the second floor. On my way up the stairs, a cold gust of air flew past me, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I got spooked and rushed to the top to see if there was a window, but there wasn't. I was a little frightened by this, but tried to forget about it as I walked down the dark hall to the empty single bathroom. Just as I walked in, the door slammed behind me. I was terrified, to the point where I couldn't speak. I quickly used the bathroom and dashed back down the stairs past some customers who were giving me the hairy eyeball. As I sat down at my table, my family asked what was wrong, so I told them what had happened. They weren't particularly impressed by this, but my mom decided to ask the waitress anyways. The waitress said the restaurant was indeed haunted, that the jester's court was once a bed and breakfast, and that some of the guests didn't want to leave. There you go. There you go. I mean, it's a a little innocuous. Could have just been a breeze, but... uh... I've had that experience. I had that in Northern California. Really? Yeah, and it was really interesting. I was with two other guys, and uh, one was uh, walking... They had two dogs with them. Right. So the one guy was walking the dogs on the grounds and me and the other guy went inside the hotel. It was the only hotel in town, a very small town, um, very big old building. And we went in to use the bathroom and they said, Oh, it's upstairs. So we head upstairs and, um, you get to the top of the stairs and you're looking down a very long hallway right. and all the doors are open. It's a hotel, but all the doors are open, obviously. And, um, I felt it the minute we walked in there. Oh, really? Very uncomfortable. And I start walking up the hall while my friend's using the bathroom, which is at the top of the stairs. And I had that cold breeze thing. It was icy cold to go past me. Right. And I got about halfway down the hall and I went, yeah, no, I am not welcome here. And I just turned around and walked back. And really? My friend came out of the bathroom and I said, try walking up that hallway. Tell me how that is. Cause he was a complete skeptic. Oh, it's not real. There's nothing here. I go into the bathroom, come out. He's there. I'm like, so how was it? He goes, oh, it's really cold down there. I'm like, yeah, right. So as we were leaving, I said, do you have the AC cranked up? And she goes, we don't have AC. Yeah. And it was hot outside. Right. So when we get outside, I said to my other buddy who's walking the dogs on the grounds, I said, yeah, there's something really wrong with this place. And he goes, funny you should say that. He goes, the one dog who's quite intelligent kept nervously looking at the building and didn't want to go anywhere near it. And the other dog is oblivious and just sort of wandered around. Right. But we got into a bit of a debate because my uh, one friend who'd been inside with me was like, well, it could be this, it could be that, it could be. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to fight with you about this. There's no air conditioning. We both felt the cold breeze. Yeah. We both felt uncomfortable in there. It is what it is. Yeah. And my other friend who'd been walking the dogs was like, I didn't need to go inside. The dogs told me everything I needed to know. Interesting. So while we were driving, because I was in the back seat, I Googled it. And sure enough, it was actually a very famous haunted hotel oh, in really? Northern California. And I had no idea. No kidding. So that... It brought back that memory with that breeze going past. Yeah, yeah. Totally experienced that. No shit. Yeah, it was weird. I had something like that once. Uh, I'll tell the story just briefly. It wasn't a, a restaurant, but it was when I stayed at the Copper King Bed and Breakfast okay. in Butte, Montana. Right. I, I've said this before. You, yeah, you've told I didn't, this one. I didn't sleep. No. So I, I, a couple of days later, I ended up in uh, Baker City, Oregon. Right. And I pulled up to this this hotel in downtown called The Geyser. Gorgeous old hotel and super cheap because a lot of those places are. Yeah. You know, because most people stay on the highway. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, gorgeous old hotel. I'll go get there, go sleep. I pulled up to the hotel and this voice in my head said, Brennan, if you sleep here, you're going to have the same problem you had at- The Copper King. At the Copper King. Really? And I thought, oh, well, I guess that means I'm not going to sleep. Okay. So I, I turned around and I, I listened to it. I went and stayed out by the highway. Well, then in the heyday of Groupon, I noticed they I was 
cruising around looking for vacation stuff. And there was a group on for the Geyser Hotel in Baker City for a ghost tour. No. Yeah. So you were right. I was right. What's that hotel in Texas? Mineral Springs? It's a great big... Mineral Wells. Mineral Wells. We had the story about yes. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to check that one out. Oh, yeah, me too. I'd love to go there. And I'm not a ghost investigator, but just the historical aspect of that hotel being there in this small town. I, it's like, I love Grand Hotels. Love that I'm stuff. a sucker for me that Me too. Trip. Absolutely, 100%. The Bell Inn. The Bell Inn in Findon, England, is said to be the oldest licensed pub in the country. It bases this claim on a license issued in 1042 by Queen Edith, wife of Edward the Confessor. My niece, Justine, who is just about 17, loves the paranormal. And when it came time for her to look for a job, she desperately wanted to work somewhere haunted, so she did some research. The Bell Inn isn't far from her parents' house, and coincidentally... They were looking for some help at the same time she was looking for work, so she was hired the day after applying. I know the owners, who I will call Paula and David, so some of what I'm about to tell I've heard before from them, though Justine's experiences are her own. Also, not that it matters, but I did not help Justine get her job. She applied and was hired before I even knew she was looking. I mention this so you understand she's a hard-working self-starter and not someone given to making up stories. After a few weeks, once it came out that Justine was my niece, Paula and David began to speak more candidly around her, and she felt emboldened enough to tell them of her interest in the paranormal. They, in turn, told her that a number of paranormal investigators and psychics had come through the place and had concluded there are several spirits on site, including a boy and a girl no older than five and their mother. The psychics believe the spirits used to live in the massive house attached to the pub, which is where Paula and David have lived for a number of years. According to them, the spirits are aware of Paula and David and refer to Paula as the Duchess. Some researchers think this place may have been the seat of a duchy, though no one really knows for sure. Sometimes I think these people bend the history to fit their results, but that's neither here nor there. Whoever they are, the children play upstairs in the house and down in the bar. In the passageway to the kitchen, you can often hear their phantom footsteps. There's also a woman said to stand by the girl's bathroom, and an old monk who drifts through the pub periodically and is a bit of an explorer. After sharing all this, Paula went on to describe her own experiences in the pub. Whilst cleaning in the kitchen one night, she said, I went out into the old barn to put something away, and when I turned around, there was a monk staring me in the window. He must have been quite short because I could only see his head. He was pale and staring at me, not moving, and remained there for a couple of minutes. The next moment, he was gone. Another night, when I was sitting in the bar with some customers, the room suddenly went cold, and I saw a man with a big, bushy beer standing at the bar drinking from an empty beer glass. He hadn't been there before, and not only that, he was totally dressed out of period, in a tall black hat and coat. Everyone I asked couldn't see him, and when I looked again, he was gone. The longer Justine worked at the pub, the more customers who didn't know the history of the pub or which specific spirits haunted it would come to her complaining about weird experiences or behaviors by people they thought were real, among them a bearded man and a monk. Justine has now had her own experiences at the Bell too, and I'm going to let her tell them in her own words. I'll start with the little stuff. While in the bar, I've heard footsteps go across the passageway, and when I have been out near the cellar, there will be lots of tapping and clicking as well as more running, followed by a cold breeze blowing past me. The bar doors will slam on their own, as will the kitchen and bathroom doors. I've been in the bathroom when there's a sudden smell of flowers or something horrible, not just a general toilet smell. 
and I'd been in the loo recently when I heard the door open and then the other toilet door open and shut. But when I finished, no one has come in or gone out of the toilets. Also in the kitchen and old barn, which is now a dining room, I've been touched on my arm, which is freaky. There was also the sound of a dog growling once, which was really creepy as there are no dogs in the pub at all. Sometimes if you're in the front bar, you can feel something go around your feet. Paula says this is the children. Things also go missing and don't come back for weeks and then suddenly reappear. Those are the little things. And though they were kind of scary at the time, they were also fun. These other experiences were way more scary than they were fun. The old barn is by far the creepiest place in the pub. It was kept as a barn for ages before it was converted into a dining room. There's something about it that makes shivers go down my spine and I constantly feel like I'm being watched. Luckily, I don't work on Saturdays anymore. I don't have to deal with the old barn much, but when I used to work there, I would hear footsteps treading around the fireplace on the concrete floor, and things would move past the windows. It's not a very well-lit area. Between the dining room and the old barn, there is a wall with two archways in it, which have curtains hanging between them. Often, these would move and sometimes shut themselves when they'd been left open, or would open themselves after being shut. The lights would also turn themselves on and off. The control switches are in the bar area and I cannot reach them, which was a pain because it was a trek to the switches. Another awful experience was in the main dining room on a Saturday night. I was on my own cleaning the cupboards and it was dark. As I'd been in there all afternoon, it didn't feel like walking all the way to the lights. There was no one in the bar apart from Paula, David, and Chris, the bartender. All of a sudden, there were loud footsteps creeping up the small flight of stairs from the side of the bar. They continued up towards me and then just stopped. That's when the room went cold. The experience that frightened me the most happened in the kitchen on a Saturday night about 9 p.m. There were a few customers in the front bar and no one in the dining room or old barn. Chris was in the bar and the owners were in the house. I heard a knock on the heavy wooden door leading to the old barn so loud it made me jump. I turned around and there was no one there, but it knocked again and again. That door locks from the kitchen side, and from the inside of the barn, you can't even tell there's a lock. But as I got nearer to it, the key began to turn in place. It clicked as it had become unlocked. Then both the key and door jangled around for about 30 seconds. There was no more banging on the door. There was more banging on the door, but softer. I was so scared. When it stopped, I relocked the door, and the key was freezing cold. That is a lot. Wow. Jesus Christ. This She's place. a brave girl. No kidding, man. I'm not sure I could have handled all that. No, Seriously. I, that, no, the, the knocking from yeah. an empty room, I think that would have finished me. And someone walking up behind you? Yeah, that too. That's not cool. No, although I think that's happened. Oh, no, sorry. Not that. Something like that happened in my apartment. Really? A couple of years ago, uh, I was sitting in the living room with two friends. It was in the evening. Uh, and Nikki was asleep in, in, in the bedroom. And, uh, of course the way the apartment's situated, the bedroom is right next to the living room. Right. But there's sort of a, a hidden, not hidden, but like a walled off corridor yeah. that you have to walk down to get to the bathroom. Right. And so we can't see you when you come down the corridor. We just hear the bathroom door. Right. So we heard the bedroom door open. We heard the sound of feet on carpet. And so we then waited for the bathroom door to close. Cause we thought Nikki had just gotten up to use the washroom. Well, then the front door slammed. Like the front door of the apartment? Yeah. But you would have had to walk past us to get to the door. What? No idea. Went and checked. Bed. Nick was asleep in bed. Bathroom was, door was open. Light was off. No one in the hallway. So essentially someone came out of the bedroom, walked down the hall and left the apartment. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, I've, I've completely forgotten about that till just now. Whew. Interesting. I wonder what was going on. Well, funny enough, we also were hearing really loud noises upstairs, like really loud banging. Right. And um, at weird times. Yeah. So I mentioned to the landlord about the upstairs neighbors making noise and she said, no one's moved in yet. It's been empty for a while. So it's almost like it's something ramped up as people were about to move in. Interesting. Yeah. Go figure. The Travelers and the Terror. My parents were publicans. They owned pubs for you Yanks. And when I was five, we moved into a large pub with a bar downstairs and house-sized accommodation upstairs. When we purchased the place, there were some travelers that lived on the land and we had something of a legal battle to get them to go. So we should explain. Travelers are something that is sort of an English phenomenon. Yes. I guess, the, the, I mean, I know this is not the correct term, but gypsies. Yeah. The old sort of children's fairy tale term for them was gypsies. Yeah. Uh, and they would tell fortunes and unfortunately got a reputation for also stealing anything that wasn't nailed down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Running off with the wayward daughters of, of the course, landowners, yeah. that sort of thing. Like the carnies of England. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, there is a show called My Big Gypsy Wedding. Oh, of course. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so travelers, yeah, you don't want travelers on your land if you're trying to run a good, solid, prosperous <laughs> British enterprise. I, I guess it's sort of like having someone squat on your land. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just just so you know. Just so you know. Occurred, it, Ian sort of mentioned, he, he paused the recording, he said, are people going to know what the hell this is? Not the Americans, for sure. And of course, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, eventually they were forced to leave and the purchase officially went all the way through and the property was ours. After it became known we bought the place, we started being told by former landlords and regular customers that the place was haunted. This wasn't anything unusual in this trade. It happened every time he moved into a new building, and there was never anything to it. About a month after the purchase went through, the pub finally opened for business. A couple of days after we first opened, we were woken up around 3 a.m. by screaming and the sounds of things being thrown around, glass breaking, and so on. Now, given the problems we had had with travelers, we assumed they'd come back to trash the place as revenge. So mum took me and my sisters in the upstairs lounge and we locked ourselves in. My dad stayed by the stairs, watching the door just to be safe. He could see the shadows of whoever was causing the damage through a small window. The noise stopped after an hour, around 4am, but dad didn't dare go downstairs until 8am when other people would have been around outside. He was dreading having to deal with the damage the travelers had caused, but... When he went downstairs, not a thing was out of place. Not so much as an ashtray had been moved. Everything was exactly how it had been when we went upstairs to bed the night before, with all the doors locked and bolted from the inside. Nobody had been in, but that wasn't possible. We had all witnessed the noise, seen the shadows, and been terrified by it. I like to think of myself as a rational, science-oriented person. I don't blindly believe things or go along with fabrications, even if it makes for a better story. But this... I cannot explain this, no matter how hard I try. Yeah. yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, and you know, having experienced that noise thing for myself, I totally get it. Remember really? that story about the house I lived in in New Brunswick? Mm. And that huge crash that shook the house? Of course, yeah. Um, Every same, time. Same deal. And there was never... It, yeah. There's nothing out of place. There's nothing wrong. So I totally get that. I think they have the power to make that sort of noise and to reproduce that sort of auditory stuff without ever lifting a finger that's it's truly frightening it's very frightening especially with the screaming and how violent that was i mean at least i all i had was a loud bang right that would have been absolutely terrifying come to think of it and i may have mentioned this on the show before and you you kind of forget after a while yeah but a couple weeks ago 
maybe just before uh, Nick's back kind of went went bad on her, uh, we had this experience where we were hearing things moving at night. Oh. And she would hear it in the spare room. Right. And I, I heard it once or twice myself. Like what kind of? It's hard to explain. Hmm. Just like something moving, things moving. And hmm. it, it wasn't the cats. You know, one of the cats was asleep in the room. Actually, both cats were asleep in the room. Wow, quite the guard cats you got going on. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't get cats if you're looking for guardians. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then as it happened, the night after I heard it, I went into my office the next day, which is in the spare room next, right. to, next to our bed. And uh, there was my very first recorder that I'd ever bought. My little plastic gray, yeah. you know, uh, digital audio recorder sitting on the desk. Hadn't been there before. Oh. I said to Nick, I said, where'd you find my recorder? And she said, I have no idea what you're talking about. So she hadn't put it there. Wow. And then a couple of days later, uh, it was this little hand strength thing that I had, you know, one of those little toys yeah, someone gets yeah, you yeah. and it had been gone forever and it was all of a sudden just sitting on the desk. Whoa. So, but it, it, it stopped. So I'm not sure what, uh, what the deal is there. I think but. you have a lot of energy moving around. Maybe yeah. in your apartment. Yeah. I, I like in the so. building, not just your apartment. Oh yeah. Well, when I, I can't remember if I told you this, but when I first moved into the place, the landlord at the time, uh, she had used, she had been my landlord at my old apartment. Right. And she said this building, she said things move through here. Oh. And I, I again had kind of forgotten that. Wow. But, um. There you go. Yeah. The dark and the vanishing fruit. My grandfather had owned a pub for many years in the city where we live. As my grandfather is now in his 80s, I've recently started working there as a bartender and a manager, with the plan being that I will eventually inherit the business. I've been going into the pub occasionally since I was a child, and my mother worked there in the past, and it is generally a comfortable place to me with lots of fond memories. The building is over 100 years old, and as far as I know, it's a pub before my grandfather bought it, and a general store before that. All that being said, I've had a couple of experiences already in the short time I've been working there that lead me to believe it could be haunted. The first experience happened just about two weeks after I'd started. I'd worked the bar during the evening and everything had gone smoothly. After closing around 1.30 a.m., I was alone in the pub finishing my duties. I remember being nervous and feeling like I wasn't alone, but tried to tell myself I was just being paranoid. I was in the back storage room where I'd gone to fetch something that I let out an exasperated sigh at my own excitable nature. Then, as the sigh left my lips, all the lights in the room went off. My immediate reaction was to dash back into the main bar where the lights were still on. I sat for a while telling myself it must have been an electrical glitch of some kind, but the plain fact of it was, was that the lights in the back room were operated from two different switches, and for a malfunction to have taken place, it would have to have taken place on two different circuits. And what about the strange timing? It was almost like the whole thing had been timed to my thoughts. The next day, I discussed the backroom lighting with my grandfather, and he shrugged it off and said they'd been fine earlier in the day. When my mother heard the story, however, she told me flat out that the bar was haunted, and she'd had several experiences over the years. She'd seen objects move on their own, heard unexplained sounds. Ultimately, I decided that if the business were indeed haunted, I'd just have to learn to coexist with whatever may be there. Several days later, I spoke out loud to the spirits in the pub while they were alone, telling them I respected it if they wanted to stick around, but asked them to please try not to frighten me. Since then, other employees have reported unexplained noises upstairs, and I have witnessed with and without others present a motion light upstairs that will turn off and on when there's no one there to trigger it. Also, a patron reported the sensation of being pushed by an unseen force when upstairs alone. 
Something new happened today, though, which prompted me to write this. I came into my shift early to take care of some management duties before bartending. The bartender on duty gave me a rundown on the day and mentioned that she looked everywhere for a missing Tupperware of sliced fruit that we usually keep in one of the front coolers. I looked around the usual cooler where it was kept and found nothing. And when I couldn't find it in the rest of the kitchen, I concluded that perhaps another bartender had discarded the fruit so she could clean the container. It was no big deal, and the bartender on duty had already chopped new fruit and arranged them in a new container, so I didn't think much more of it. A short time later, we switched shifts, and I began bartending while the previous shift bartender counted out her drawer. The very first time I opened the front cooler to retrieve something, I was shocked to find that the previously lost Tupperware fruit was back in its usual spot, sitting right next to its replacement container of new fruits. I showed this to the previous shift bartender, and she was just as baffled as I was. There was absolutely no way we could have missed this, and there could have been no one else behind the bar in the meantime. I guess the spirits only half listened to me. Goddamn inconsiderate spirits. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of was that uh, bar in Seattle, the Irish bar that is supposed to be incredibly haunted. Oh, right. I think Anthony was talking about that the other yeah. day. Yeah. I think there was one of those ghosty type shows did a whole show on that place. Oh, you know what? Yes. Uh, it was Ghost Adventures. It was. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Because funny enough, we had amongst the sort of catchment uh, for the, of the stories yeah. we had, there was a story from them, oh. but it leaned so heavily on them re-experiencing what had happened in Ghost Adventures uh, that I couldn't take no. it seriously. Um, I stayed in an Airbnb uh, in Seattle, and it was literally across the street from that bar. Oh, no shit. But it was closed for renos. Did you pick up anything just being near it? Uh, I didn't go across the street. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it felt very uncomfortable. Oh, right. Um, if it had been open, I would have gone in. I would have right. checked it out. Not at night or anything. Fair, fair. I'm a coward, but um, <laughs> I certainly would have checked it out. But yeah, it was neat. I'm, I came out of the Airbnb and I went, I know that place. Oh, right. I know where I know that from. Funny enough, there was something in here that reminded me that this is becoming old home week uh, episode for stories from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was a kid, I, I hung out a lot as a lot of you know teenage guys do in, in the a ba- bar. I wish. <laughs> uh, no, in a base in the basement. Right. You know, it sort of became my my hangout. Like a mole person. Very much so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A trend that continues to this day. Yeah, me too. But something that we noticed is weird things would things would not move exactly, but it felt like things would be disturbed. Right. And sometimes we would turn off the lights when we left, but then I'd catch help for them being on. Oh. Or we'd leave them on. Right. Because, you know, I, I knew how creepy it was. Yeah. So I would leave them on to go upstairs so yeah. I didn't come back to it being dark. Yeah. And they would be off when I came back. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And, and I remember one day I was down there. It was the daytime too, but of course it's a basement. So yeah. very minimal light, uh, natural light. I was down there and the power went out and I cannot communicate to you the depth of my terror. The terror. Yeah. Sitting in the dark. Oh no. In this place. I get it. It was so frightening. My basement was the same way. Oh, okay. There's absolutely something. And the worst thing was my parents had developed one bedroom down there, but everything else was open. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was a very large basement. Oh no. And so I would almost run from the bottom of the stairs across because of course my room is in the far corner yeah across the basement to the far corner where i would shut my door and stand there for the oh the man and i absolutely 100 percent know that terror of being down there and the power goes out because you feel you feel trapped like frozen oh it's unbelievable oh yeah no it was a thing the dog in shadow 
When I was around 14, I lived with my dad and brother above the pub where my dad worked. This pub is quite old and has had several people die in and around it, so it's maybe not a great surprise that paranormal things happen here. For example, there was a seat at the end of the bar dedicated to a longtime customer who had passed away. My dad told me that the coffee machine sitting in front of the stool would turn itself on and off all the time without explanation. The entire time I lived there, there was an end of the hallway that I hated going to. To enter the apartment, you went up a staircase, and then turn left to get to our bedrooms, kitchen, and lounge, and if you turn right at the top of the staircase, you would find the bathroom and the two empty rooms, which always felt dark. When I would go to the toilet, I would run to the bathroom without looking into the rooms and do my thing as quickly as possible. I experienced an overwhelming feeling of dread whenever I had to go to that end of the hall. Jesus, that's very similar to what we just talked very about. Very similar. One night our town was on flood watch, and my mom and her boyfriend had come with my dog to our apartment above the bar so they could be on high ground. They had brought belongings with them, and when my dad, mom, and her boyfriend went to collect these from the car, my younger brother went with them, leaving me alone upstairs with the dog. The dog was wet from the rain, so I had to sit in the bathroom with her, and I turned on all the lights and tried not to worry about being at the negative end of the house. My dog was crying and barking constantly because of the storm. She started scratching at the door, so I decided to let her out into the hall. The door wouldn't budge. It was as if it was locked, except there was no key for that door, and even if there was one, no one had been around to lock me in. For five minutes, I stood there shouting for someone to open the door, while my dog continued to go crazy, and outside the storm raged. While looking through the keyhole, hoping someone would walk past, I saw a dark figure, presumably my father, cross from our kitchen and then went down the stairs. I was furious he had ignored me, and when the door finally opened, I started to yell at him only to find out he'd been outside with everyone else for the last 30 minutes. Aside from me, there hadn't been a single person in the apartment. Oh. Jesus. I have heard of that before. Um, that happened in the Maritime Museum. Really? Uh, yeah, a group of paranormal investigators literally got trapped in a room and couldn't get out until another group came and let them out. Jesus. The door was not locked. It did not stick. It just simply would not, not open. open. I recall, I think it was Anthony was telling me a story about the Empress. And there's, oh. there's a room there that he had that issue. Interesting. I believe it was him. Yeah. He, he, the door would not open. That sounds like something that happened to Anthony. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and apparently they're really pulling back on all that shit at the end. They are. They've cut the historical tours even. Really? To do. Yeah, there's a lady who would dress up in old-timey clothes and take people on historical tours. They right. cut that. Really? They took out all the old pictures in the basement that were sort of the unofficial archives of the hotel. Right. They took them all out. They're just, yeah, they're really trying to distance themselves. I'll be damned. The whole thing is the new empress, right? Right, right, so, right. Well, I mean, the old empress was depressing as hell, so. It, it was getting a little long on the tooth. Yeah. I think the last big refurb it had was the 60s. Oh, wow. So something needed to happen. Fair enough. Yeah. The Sergeant at Arms. Three years ago, I got a job in a pub in my local town. The pub, which was called Whittles when I worked there, and the sergeant at arms before that, is situated next to the town's police station, and was once part of the town's prison. In the cellar there is a cemented wall, behind which is a whole underground tunnel system which used to link the pub to the police station and other municipal buildings in the area. For about a year I worked at Whittles, and during that time started to date the guy who lived there, and whose parents owned the building. I'll call him Scott. Scott told me about a few experiences he had had since moving in, the first of which came on his first night there. He decided to sleep in the room which would eventually become his living room, and was shaken awake by a force he couldn't see, and heard voices say, Go home. This is our place. 
Once he'd officially moved in, he moved to an upstairs room where things didn't really improve. Doors would slam, there would be rapping on the walls and other strange noises, to such a degree that he ended up moving again into the room next door to that. After hearing all these stories, I was excited and nervous to spend my first night there. I both wanted an experience and didn't at the same time, and in the end it was all for nothing as no ghosts made an appearance. The only thing that did happen is I noticed a real change in the atmosphere of the pub once it hit the wee hours of the morning. The place became almost oppressive, and I felt as though I was being watched. I know you can dismiss that as me wanting an experience, but it really did feel that way. About four months later, I'd worked a shift in the pub, and it was late. We were closed up for the night, and the only people in were the landlords and myself. We were sat at the bar chatting, and I heard the men's toilet door open. I was sat with my back to the door, and it was about ten feet behind me. I then heard someone walk across the wooden floor, and then it sounded like keys jingling, but as if the keys were attached to someone's belt and they were slapping against this person's thigh as they walked. As I turned around to look, I said to my boss, who else is in the pub? I thought everyone had gone home, and lo, there was no one there. My boss claimed to have heard nothing, and suggested that perhaps I'd had too much to drink, but that noise was so loud and distinct, I don't know how we missed it. Another time I was over visiting my boyfriend on a night he said felt eerie, and he was sure something was going to happen. We'd been sat listening to music, but I paused it when he got up to use the loo, which is bathroom for you Americans out there, <laughs> and that's when it happened. From the middle of his bedroom, in thin air, I heard a growl. Later that night we both went downstairs to get some crisps, also that's chips for you Americans. The door to the pub's cellar was locked, as usual when it's not in use, and we had to walk past it to get to the small kitchen where the crisps were kept. When we passed the door, we heard what I can only describe as the sound of someone rubbing a bunch of crisps packets together. Bags of chips, again. There are two things odd about this. The first being that no one was supposed to be in the cellar, obviously, and the second that there are no crisps stored down there. We decided to get our snacks quickly and bugger off, but three steps up the stairs we heard a huge thud in the cellar followed by a knocking on the door and what sounded like a full box of crisps being kicked down the stairs. Remember, there weren't any down there. It almost sounds like whatever was there knew what they were coming for, tried to lure them through the door. Oh, interesting. And when it didn't get what it wanted, essentially threw a temper tantrum and kicked the rest of the chips down the stairs. Oh, maybe. That's how that reads to me. But, totally. they were, but she said there were no, ch no chips down there. No, I know. But it's almost like it was trying to go, oh, hey. Right, I got, right. I got a bunch down here. Come ah, on down. That's terrifying. Right? Jesus. I mean, maybe I'm interpreting that wrong, but just the sequence of events. Yeah, fair enough. So sorry, I know. No, it's okay. She goes on to say, we ran like hell upstairs. Yeah. The weirdest experience I had was when the boyfriend's parents had gone on holiday and had asked me to stay in the pub for a week. I had just finished a shift and went upstairs to the flat, deciding on the way to phone my boyfriend and see what he wanted for tea. That is dinner for you Americans. <laughs> There's a lot of Britishies in yeah. this story. <laughs> Funny, I, editing it, didn't even think about it. <laughs> we had been speaking for about two minutes when I got to the upstairs door and couldn't open the bloody lock. I told him I couldn't get in the flat and he laughed at me saying, maybe the ghosts don't want you there. As soon as he said that, the phone signal went bizarre. We both heard something like 20 other voices all speaking at once, none of which were understandable and some of which sounded very panicked. I then managed to turn the key in the lock, open the door, and the voices on our call stopped. We both agreed that was freaky, and decided to hang up. Let's just say the hour I was sat in that flat alone waiting for him to come back from work was unsettling. 
It probably was just a bad signal and somehow crossed wires, but it didn't feel like that. Nope, cell phones don't work that way. There were many other things that happened whilst I worked there, such as rapping on the walls, things falling from shelves, but I just got used to it and it didn't bother me after a while. I asked the owners if they had ever considered holding a paranormal night there just to see what was picked up, but they refused, saying they had to live there and would simply rather not know. I don't blame them. No, that's fair enough. I don't blame them. They knew something was there. They weren't, they were going to be doing that for proof. No, I I guess if you can ignore it, ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She is way braver than me. Oh. (laughs) I would not be sleeping there by myself. No. No. No, actually I probably would too, but I'm stupid. The Fire and Lady. My father and I used to be painters and decorators. We would work on houses, offices, blocks of flats, apartments for you Americans, (laughs) and sometimes pubs. The pub jobs could be a bit of a nightmare as we typically couldn't start until 11 once the pub had emptied. Well, we all know how ghosts feel about renovations. One night we were working in a little place called Robbie out in the middle of nowhere. It was a decent place and we started at the usual time. About halfway through the shift, in what would be considered the afternoon if we were working a normal shift, my father asked me if I minded him dropping off for a little nap. Of course, I had no problem with taking a break, so I told him to crack on, and while he snored away, I wandered the pub looking at the memorabilia. It was all mirrors, with various alcoholic logos on them, and after a while I got bored and decided to sit down next to my dad. Opposite me was another wall of mirrors, and for some reason I got the urge to take a photo. Back then, I had the Nokia 7650, which was one of the first camera phones Nokia brought out. So I pulled it out and took a quick snap. The mirror I shot reflected a different mirror, which itself reflected the bar. So in effect, I was taking a photo of the bar. After an hour or so, Dad woke up and we got back to work. Later on, during lunch, I was telling him about all the famous people and footballers who'd been through this pub over the years. He's a massive football fan. Soccer for you Americans. I brought out my phone to show him some of the memorabilia photos I'd taken, and up to that point, everything had been normal. Then, when we flipped to the last picture, things took a turn. Standing at the bar, unbeknownst to me when I took the photo, was a female figure with red eyes. We spoke about it tried to write it off as a camera problem, then had to put it out of our minds in order to get back to work. Eventually, we finished up, packed our gear, and came home. The next day, we started work at the same time, but spoke to the manager of the pub first. We tried to be as casual as possible bringing up the photo, but at a certain point, you have to own up to what you're asking about. We showed him the picture, and he showed me a plaque on the wall. The plaque was in remembrance of a woman named Charlotte, who died in a fire before the pub had become a pub. The plaque also said her soul still resides at the bar. Now, that's kind of a dickish plaque. (laughs) Charlotte died here and will forever remain here. Well, yeah, it doesn't seem very nice, does it? Just say she died here, you bastards. Yeah. I mean, mean, the spirit's not bound by the words on the plaque, but it just seems, I don't know, a little bit grim. Well, maybe they were trying to acknowledge her. That she she was still there. I guess. No. (laughs) <laughs> it seems like, you, yeah, it's like that, that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns put up the sign, you are here forever. <laughs> if you bang a shot glass five times on the bar, Charlotte will appear. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I know I get what you're saying. The Hollow Party. I'm not sure if this is a ghost story at all, but it really happened and it really frightened me at the time. About five years ago, I was driving back from Scotland to London with my family. We stopped overnight in the city of Leeds and stayed in a rented apartment near the railway station. The apartment was great. But after the kids had gone to bed and my wife had settled down for X Factor, I got a bit bored and went out for a pint. 
Areas and cities near railway stations are often a bit scuzzy, and Leeds is no exception. The streets were pretty empty, and I wandered around for a bit looking for a pub. Eventually I found one, near the railway arches, a small traditional pub that looked quiet, just what I had in mind. When I entered, I found that it was really full with lots of people laughing, drinking, and smoking. I went to the bar and waited to be served before about four or five minutes before giving up, as the barmaid seemed to want to serve to everyone but me. She didn't just ignore me. She didn't even seem to see me. I told myself that this must be a local's pub and that they just didn't like strangers, but in reality, I couldn't wait to get out of there, as I had a really bad feeling about the place. I wasn't being stared at or menaced or anything else. I just felt wrong somehow. I walked around the corner, found a chain bar, and drank an overpriced beer in a completely empty bar. As I sat, I figured that there was a number of things that were just not quite right about my experience in the other pub. Number one, everyone was smoking. This is a long time after the smoking ban, and people just didn't smoke in pubs anymore. A landlord could lose his license if the police caught even one smoker, and there must have been 20 or 30 puffing away. Two, there was no smell of smoke. It should have reeked in there, and my clothes ought to have smelled of smoke even after just a few minutes, but there was no smell at all. Three, the pub was very loud inside, and there was music playing, but from the street, there was no sound at all, which is why I thought it was empty. Four, the other customers seemed to look dated. Not old-fashioned, but the under-thirties all appeared to have hairstyles and clothes that didn't seem quite up-to-date. Five, everyone seemed small. I'm 5'11", but I felt like I towered over everyone there. And six, the fear that I felt. The fear that made me leave so quickly had no cause. It was just a pub with a lot of people having a good time. I made some joke to the East European barmaids before I left about everyone being at the pub around the corner, but I just got blank looks. Back at the apartment, I didn't tell my wife about my experience for some reason. It all felt wrong, and I wish I'd stayed in watching X Factor. I've never been back to Leeds, so I can't tell you if that pub is still there, or even what its name is. Huh. That's very similar to the France hotel story we did. Kind of, yeah. Where they walked into something that just wasn't there anymore. Yeah, it's also similar to a story that I heard once on Jim Harold's campfire about a bar in Wisconsin where supposedly these people went in and there was a mural on the wall of the bar and they realized after a time that the people in the bar looked just like the people in the mural. Mm-hmm. And then they claimed that they started to see themselves in the mural. Uh, and, time uh, to go. Yeah, they, they left. <laughs> and uh, people have sort of disputed whether or not it's real because it sounds right. like an episode of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a great story. Wow. And same thing with this one. You know, it's just got all those hallmarks of the thing that you think about, you know, this idea that you're in a strange place in a weird part of town. And no one sees and there's, you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I was in a bar down, or sorry, was it a bar? No, it was a, it was a diner. Uh, my friend and I, the year we drove to the Grand Canyon, we went into this restaurant somewhere in the desert and it was packed full of people. We took a seat at the bar. Dude, no one would talk to us. Really? No one would talk to us. No one would look at us. And I don't know. Not even the staff? No, especially the staff. Really? We never got men. We had to grab menus ourselves. We, we sat at the bar. We were ignored. So we thought, well, maybe we should sit outside. We went and sat outside. The waitresses just kept walking past us. Wow. And I don't think it was ghosts. I don't know what the hell was going on, but it was bizarre. That's crazy. And we're not inconspicuous people. No. 
No. I'm a very wide man. <laughs> and my friend is six foot four and about as big across the shoulders. Wow. With big shaved head. He, yeah. I mean, he's a pussycat, but yeah. he looks terrifying. Yeah. No? Interesting. So I, I, maybe it was the same deal. Maybe they just. Weird. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't there. <sighs> Could be. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I hope not. Did hope you ever not. get any food? No, no, no. No one talked. We left. Really? We left. No one would speak to us. Wow. Tried flagging down waitresses. They kind of look over and then keep going. I don't know what the hell was going on huh. that day. It was the weirdest thing. The black-eyed girl. My friends and I live in a small town, so last week when we left the one pub we have, because the music was bad, there wasn't much for us to do other than drive around listening to music. Around 2am we were cruising past the movie theater when we saw a pack of dogs standing around a bush that... It's hard to explain, but it was rustling slowly. Almost like it was in slow motion. My cousin, who's in the rear passenger seat, said there was something not right about the movement, but couldn't say exactly what. We slowed down to watch, and that's when something from inside the bush scared all the dogs, scattering them in every direction. I figured it was a cat or something, but the whole thing kept us talking as we drove around. You could say it set a mood. It was at a house on the next street over that we saw her. Sitting on the porch steps was a very slim, very pale blonde girl with her hands in her lap. She wore a little black dress with no jacket or shoes and a black veil on her head. Her face was hidden from us, at least at first. It was a cold night, but even as exposed as she was, this girl wasn't shaking, shivering, or really moving at all. It was like looking at a doll. Something about her was deeply upsetting, and it hit my cousin the hardest. He started screaming like a baby, saying that the girl didn't look alive and that we needed to leave immediately. Then she looked at us, and there were two black holes where her eyes should have been. We flashed her with the high beams, but she didn't react at all. Just sat there, looking at us with those empty holes that even the lights couldn't illuminate. Immediately, I felt nauseous and began screaming, so the driver hit the gas and got us out of there. A few blocks away, we hit a red light at the same time as another carload of people we knew, and we told them what happened. Of course, they wanted to see her, so they convinced us to double back, but when we went back, she was gone. I'm not sorry about that, and I hope I don't see her again. This is probably just me making connections where there are none, but something in my gut says whatever was happening in that bush was connected to the black-eyed girl appearing where she did. Sounds like the cousin knew what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> he's either easily scared or he's <laughs> got this shit figured out. Or yeah, he's he's a little more aware than everyone else involved. I, I go back and forth on the black-eyed kids thing, you know, because there was that great first story of them that, right. from Brian Bethel. But since then, I feel like it's become such a phenomenon. It's hard to trust stories like when you hear them. Slender Man kind of thing. Not well, not quite that bad, but uh, but close. Yeah, yeah. It just it, it seems like people like to make stories up about them. Right. So it's always hard to know whether you're getting. Well, a, they're terrifying. They're, absolutely, right? they're terrifying. So I get why there would be an easy kind of yeah. mark for that. I remember uh, one of the first paranormal books I read when I got into the subject was David Weatherly's Strange Intruders. Okay. And, uh, he also did one on black eyed kids. So it, it may have been in there, but I think it was in strange intruders, but it's a story about this guy who met a couple while he was vacationing in Hawaii and they invited him back to their house. And at one point during the meal, they both froze and their eyes went, I, th I think their eyes went black and their mouths opened and they just sat there like that for a few minutes. Oh, I'd be leaving. And then everything went back to normal. But, oh but he said God. he just like, it was, there was this moment where nothing made sense and he was absolutely terrified. Whoa. Yeah. So if, if you of the story, don't accept dinner invitations from strangers. Yes. And if you're looking for a great read, check out David Weatherly's Strange Intruders. The Plumber and PJs. 
before my dad was married, he worked as a builder, a contractor for all you Americans. <laughs> and one day he was asked to do some plumbing work in a pub. I shall not name the pub for privacy reasons. It's okay. We wouldn't know where it was anyway. My dad was down in the cellar looking at some pipes when he heard little footsteps and movements. He called out and asked if anyone was there and got no answer. So he presumed it was his imagination and resumed his work. Minutes passed and he heard a little girl's giggle. My father assumed the child belonged to the pub owner and asked her to come out from where she was hiding, since it wasn't safe to play where he was working. The little girl didn't respond. So my father started searching for her. And as he did, he saw a little girl in pink PJs with long brown hair. He asked her to go upstairs and play. Still, she stood there. As he moved closer, he noticed the little girl's face looked terribly burned on one side, and her hair looked short on the front part of her head. My father stopped in his tracks and looked at the little girl. He said she just giggled and disappeared before his eyes. My father bolted upstairs and told the owner what had happened. The man said the girl's name was Cindy, and she died in an accident involving the coal fire some ten years ago. The previous owners had left, but Cindy stayed on and put in an appearance now and then, looking for company and causing mischief. Whatever he's making for that contract, it ain't enough. No! Jesus. Bye, Cindy! Yeah, right? (laughs) The Lord Nelson. When I turned 18 years old, I decided it was time to look for a new job, and ended up in the town of Hive, in a little 18th century pub called the Lord Nelson. The whole street of shops next to, and including the Nelson, were all built at the same time and are connected, so it's quite the sight and attracts a lot of tourists every year. It was after about half a year of working there that I heard the voice. The pub had been expanded over the years, and about halfway down the bar was an archway that marked where the back door of the original pub used to be. The bar was closed at one end, and it was a slow day, with maybe four customers hanging about. I was stood underneath the arch, pulling a pint with a closed, empty part of the bar at my left, when I heard a deep male voice right by my head ask, Are we here? Assuming it was another member of staff, I immediately looked up and to the left, but saw no one else there. So I looked to my right. No one there either. Finally, I pulled a full 360, wondering where the speaker had disappeared to, and then it hit me. Whatever I heard, it wasn't a person. Quickly finishing off the round I was serving, I rushed off to tell my colleague, who was the longest-serving member of staff at the Nelson, and also rented out upstairs. I shouted, Nick, I heard a voice. And before I could say anything else, she asked if it had been him in the archway. My eyes widened. She told me that people always hear things there. I was shocked. And that night, as the staff all sat down for a drink at lockup, she told me stories of things she and other people had experienced in the pub, all in the original part of the building. I'm 20 now, and though I didn't get the feelings of fear or loneliness some people have had, I still believe what I heard was a ghost. There you go. I had that experience. My one and only... Ghost experience while doing the ghost tours. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, right. Yeah. In the back alley. I've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. that. The Ian. Yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, in this case, I sometimes wonder, you know, because it's an old building and it's in an archway, I right. wonder if it's a weird acoustic thing mm. because are we here? I mean, if it's a tourist place, that could be tourists, you know, talking like some dad going, you know, where the hell are we? Yeah. 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 You know, and if it's just a yeah. funny, you know, funny acoustics. Yeah. But if there's other things going on, then. Well, this is the thing. If that other person is telling stories about the things they've experienced and the emotions you're not gonna i don't know how you that's true yeah the feelings of fear and loneliness people have had while there i get those i'm not in the was that because you were there (laughs) because i have (laughs) clinical depression i I know when i'm around you i feel fear and loneliness that's fair fair. (laughs) the doctor in the farmhouse 
It all started with my girlfriend and I having a fight about going to a party at my friend Kyle's house. Kyle lived on a farm way out in the sticks, and to get out there, you have to brave 10 miles of narrow country back roads. Where the fight came in is that back then I liked to drink, a lot, and my girlfriend was afraid of driving those narrow back roads, which left us in a how-the-hell-do-we-at-home situation. Eventually, we agreed that we would go and that I would not drink. We got to the party about 11, and the bonfire was going about 100 yards behind the house. Being a bigger guy back then, I figured I could kill at least two to three beers while still being fine to drive and avoid the cops. Wow, this is just great decision making. I, I actually, this has nothing to do with pubs, but I included this story because I, I just feel like the conversation we're going to have afterwards is valuable. Okay, okay. I figured I could be fine to drive and avoid the cops. After all, they almost never bothered coming all the way out there. So once we got out back, I snuck off into the house to have a beer before my girlfriend noticed I was gone. Bad decision number two. Ten minutes later, I had the urge to have one or two more. Oh my God, which back in those days meant four or five. And like an idiot, I went back in the house. I ended up grabbing three beers. What, for your trip back to the bonfire? Just as I did, the back door opened, and thinking it was my girlfriend looking for me, I ran out the front door to the porch of the house to slam back the beer. Okay, someone has an alcohol problem. It's like a fucking dog eating something it shouldn't. It really is. What is that in your mouth? It just starts chewing. Yeah, glug, glug, glug. As I opened the first beer, I felt something grab my hand and hold it there on the bottle. I tried like hell to pull my hand back, but it was like something was forcing me to keep it there. The best way I can describe it is like a magnetic force was keeping my hands tight to the bottle. After 10 or 20 seconds of this, I thought I was having a stroke, and just as I was about to call for help, my hand was freed. I dropped the beers and ran back into the house. Once inside, I had the strangest feeling, like I shouldn't be in the house or even at the party. I felt as though something bad was going to happen, and I just wanted to go home. At this point, I was still genuinely concerned I'd had a small tremor or a stroke, even if that didn't make sense given how athletic I was. On the way home, I saw the police had set up a roadblock looking to catch drunk drivers. Never in the 23 years that I lived in that town had they come so far out to set up one of these checkpoints, but here it was. Because I'd only had the one beer, I skated through the checkpoint, but later on, I found out four of my friends had lost their licenses. The next day, I called Kyle to ask if anything weird had ever happened at their house in the two years they'd been living there, and sure enough, he told me his mother, who he said was a solid church-going gal, had had a number of run-ins with the spirits at the farmhouse. A few days later, I took another trip back out to the farmhouse to speak with Kyle's mother, and what she had to say was enough to convince me my experience was legitimate. She said that the previous owner of the farmhouse had used it as a weekend getaway. The pair were doctors, who spent their career working with alcoholics, ah, and other people with addictions in the 1960s. She went on to tell me that she'd seen both the previous owners who died in 1991 at the barn and sitting on the front porch of the house where I had hidden away to chug my beers. After that, I changed my outlook on drinking and attended college for police foundations. I never again took the wheel while intoxicated. Yeah. Wow. And and I, I, I left this in because, you know, drinking was kind of something I struggled with when I was younger. Right. Because um, it was fun. You know, we partied. Yeah. But also I did it because I couldn't cope with social situations. Right. And I didn't like to have just one. Right. And I, I just, you know, this is maybe a bit too PSA, but I just think, man, if you're out there and you're listening and it's either one or 
Oblivion? Yeah. It's you got a problem. Yeah. And and you know you need to think about this. Think about it. Yeah. I'm not gonna say get help, I'm gonna say think about it. Yeah. Think about where this is going. Well, it's true. And I, and when do you outgrow that kind of behavior? Like when does it stop? Well, I feel like uh I feel like binge drinking is so encouraged. You know, it's such a part of popular it certainly culture. Is in England. Oh, here too though. Uh, in North America, yeah. Canada. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw on Facebook a while ago one of my cousins, one of the ones I don't speak with very much, uh, for a reason, posted something to the effect of you know, I either have one or get a blotto, but it was very much like a, yeah, yeah this is how I roll. Yeah, and yeah. I think, no, nah, man, that's, that's a problem. Cause yeah. again, I, I've been there Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, even now, you know, I haven't been drunk, drunk in a very, very long, I want to yeah. say seven years. And, um, you know, but there are times if I'll have one or two beers and I'll get a little bit of that old time religion and you think, oh man, I could have some more. Right. And I, I always clamp down on it. That's yeah. the end, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's still there. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I never, I, I don't think I was ever necessarily an alcoholic, but I think it was possible. Being adopted, I was always concerned about that. Oh, right. So I was always very, very careful. So I definitely had a few drink way too much vodka, make myself sick experiences in grade 11. Right. Uh, but by the time it came to, I could legally go to the bar. I remember being 100% shocked how expensive drinks were at the bar. <laughs> yeah. And because I am cheap, I would get one of those stickers that they give out in Alberta as the designated driver, and I would drink pop all night. Oh, that makes sense. And I was perfectly happy to be the designated driver. I never felt like I needed the booze right. to have a good time, which I know makes me sound like a Christian PSA, but <laughs> I, I meant it. Like, and, and I will you know, I'll go out and have a couple drinks. But yeah, there's just no need for me to ever really feel like, oh... I'm going to lose control. I don't like losing control. That's part yeah. of it, I think. But no, I, I get what you're saying because it is easy to, you reach that tipping point and you're like, oh, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Um, but no good comes of that. And, and the hiding too, that really spoke to me. That's I, what I think stirred up the spirits because if these two doctors were working with addiction. Yeah. And that's, that's addiction all over. Oh, 100%. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Again, when you're hiding it. You know, that, that's then, a problem. Yeah. You, and you, there's a reason you're hiding it. Yeah. You know, you know it's wrong. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. So. Good story. I'm glad you left that one. Yes. In. PSA that's over. <laughs> it was interesting though. I'm sure we'll get an angry email about it. I hope so. I love those. <laughs> Don't tell they me how to drink. <laughs> I'm not telling you how to do anything. You do whatever the hell you want. This is yeah. just Uncle Brand saying, think about it. <laughs> this is going to be our last story for the night. This is the knocking doppelganger. Once upon a time, my husband Charles and I owned a pub, and we lived upstairs with our three boys, Nate, David, and Will. The building had once been a bed and breakfast, so the flat was huge. Two stories, in fact, with a master bedroom, living area, office, and bathroom on the main floor, and the three boys' bedrooms upstairs. In fact, it was even more spacious than we knew, as when we moved out, we discovered hidden entrances to several more rooms on the second floor. This is like the second story we've had where people have found rooms in there. How do you not notice you have missing rooms? Jesus. Old houses in England. That's how. Ugh. You wouldn't get that here. No. But you'd definitely get it there. My husband is a skeptic, but it wasn't long after moving in that I noticed strange things happening. Things would go missing and turn up later right where I'd been looking. This happened most often in my keys, and you can imagine what a pain that was. I would also hear running upstairs when the boys were at school, or the grandparents' house. The first, I guess you could say experience, I, happen, I had happened while I was putting away David's washing and clothes. Of the three bedroom upstairs, his always felt the worst, but since he never seemed to mind, I thought it best not to bring it up. Whilst organizing Dee's clothes, I felt a tug on my cardigan and heard him saying, Mom, Mom, Mom. 
I was busy with the task in front of me, so I just said, in a minute, D, and then heard running away. As far as I was concerned, that was one problem sorted. But later, once I'd come back downstairs, I remembered the boys were at my parents' house for dinner. Another time, I was in the cash office on our first floor, talking to one of the barmen from downstairs. I think we were discussing scheduling or something similar, when I heard an almighty crash from the living room. We ran in there to find the huge framed painting we'd always had hung above the couch, completely at the opposite end of the room in front of the television. This was not a light painting, and while I'd have accepted it falling off the wall, having it end up at the opposite side of the room was a hard pill to swallow. Things got weirder when our friends Michael and Linda came to stay. My parents took the boys for a few nights so we could have some grown-up time without little ears around, and we made up Will's room for our guests. Will's room was in a bit of an L-shape, with a bed against the far wall behind the door, or at least that's where it was supposed to be. I didn't know this at the time, but when Michael and Linda went into the room, the bed, which had a heavy wooden frame, was in the middle of the room. They didn't bring it up at the time and assumed it was just the way Will usually had it. The next morning, while Michael and Linda were out, I went to put some washing into Will's room and couldn't open the door. It was as if something was blocking it. So I pushed and pushed and finally managed to get enough of a gap between the door and frame that I could see Will's bed had been pushed right up against it. I don't know why, what particular line of thinking went through my head to provoke this next bit, but I called Linda and started giving her hell for pushing the bed against the door before leaving. It doesn't make a lick of sense, but that's what I did. Linda broke down crying at the other end of the line. She said that all night they hadn't slept because of scratching sounds and the other noises coming from behind the walls, that it was horrible and they were leaving. The final thing she said was, how could I even push a bloody big bed against the door as I was leaving through it? And she's absolutely right. That was more or less the end of our friendship. There were a number of other smaller things that happened during our time living above the pub. Our dog Baxter would bark at the same corner every night, and my youngest, Nate, would point to the same corner and say, bad man. Then he'd ask me to make him go away. I had no idea what to do and felt awful when I couldn't relieve his fears. The final experience I'll share happened to my husband. As I mentioned before, he was, and remains, quite a skeptic, and will not discuss what happened over the course of our stay in that apartment, but even he cannot explain this particular event. He had come upstairs from work to have a shower on a day when the boys and I were out of the house. While he was under the water, my husband heard a steady knock at the bathroom door, followed by a woman's voice saying hello three times. The sounds didn't last long, and he apparently assumed it was me having come back to pick up something I'd left behind. It wasn't. When we got home later, my husband asked me what I'd forgotten, and of course, I told him we'd spent the afternoon at my parents' house, and had only just come back. His jaw dropped, and he went pale. One last thing. My friend Esther used to live across the road from the pub, and one day she stopped me in the street to ask why I hadn't waved back at her the night before. I had no idea what she was on about, and she went on to say she had seen me standing in the window of the flat holding Nate. According to Esther, she'd waved at me, and I just stared. The only problem with this is I hadn't been up at all during the night much less standing in the window. We have since moved on from the pub, and I don't miss it. Okay, so was something else holding Nate? I don't like or that thought very much. was it just a projection of the whole thing? Yeah. Or... That's an unsettling thought. That hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah. Jesus. No wonder that poor kid was so scared. No kidding. Oof. Man, there was... That's some heavy stuff. Oh, yeah. Like the bed being pushed up against the door. No, that's, that's pretty hardcore. I wonder if these... I can't believe the kid didn't care. Like, he never brought it up. Yeah, I... I mean, maybe it didn't happen when he was in there. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, th again, just the fact that there are empty rooms in this house. What what the hell's in there? 
we, we had that story from France. Yeah. From, I think it was from Brittany. And there was, a, yeah, a room that they had never actually gone into. Yeah. It was walled off. It, it did happen. Uh, in the British homes, there are definitely weird voids. Uh, and they just sort of, oh, well. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, when I was a kid, I always used to dream about finding rooms in houses. Right. Rooms that aren't there. But I always thought it was just some sort of metaphor for wanting to find right. new horizons. Well, maybe you're supposed to be in England hunting out old rooms. No, I don't think so. No, you should go now. Oh, okay. You got, you got, you got this covered? Yeah, I got this covered. Cool. Yeah. yeah I, I'm eager to see how that works out. <laughs> It'll be me recording it on my cell phone and then putting it up <laughs> online. Then That'll we, be it. Weeping as you try and push the phone against the screen. <laughs> yes. Cause that is how I try to upload it. I, I assume so. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for our stories of haunted pubs. Yeah. Yes. Good journey. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back with our patron shout outs and listener mail. Welcome back. As always, I'd like to thank our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, mm-hmm. for their help on this episode. I guess we'll go straight to our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our new patrons. Yay, new patrons! They are... Andorsi. Nicole Renault, Mindy Westby. And we need to talk about ghosts. Thank you, everyone who contributed to the show. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And we literally can't do it without you. So 100%. Really... No, without the Patreon, I would be broke. Yeah. Uh, no. Because it is tight times at Casa Store. <laughs> and it costs money to do this. Like, yeah. It's kind of surprising how it all adds up. That's it. Yeah, we've had those new mics for the live stream we did yeah. tonight with our $10 patrons. Yep. And uh, no, it, it all adds up. Yeah, but absolutely. thanks to you folks, we were able to bear the cost and even grow the show. Yay! Which is very cool. So thank you so much. And if you've been thinking about it, now is a great time to sign up. We'd uh, love to add you to the list and have you join us for the those wonderful live streams where you get to ask us questions and we give you some creative answers. And you hear stories that we won't say on a recorded show because we don't need it getting out into the world. Exactly. And uh, you learn all kinds of new and twisted things about us. So absolutely. Come join the fun. Head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the $1, 5 10 20 and $50 levels. Starting at 5 you get exclu- things like exclusive stickers, bits of the show that other people don't get, sometimes exclusive outtakes, sometimes conversations that don't fit into the main show, and you do usually get the episodes up to two days early. Mm-hmm. At $10, of course, you get to participate in our monthly live show. Yep. You also get two MP3s that are exclusive to that particular tier. One is our theme song, Radio by Pizzanta Music, 
and the other is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Friends of the Show Hexagram. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. At 20, you get all those things, plus our exclusive Ghost Forced sticker, which is a postcard-sized so sticker. So cool. You get uh, three signed art cards of my night photography, and most importantly, <laughs> you get access to the high-quality digital <laughs> files for Ian's smash hit 1995 Christian <laughs> country album, A Wear of Wonder. Oh, you can't miss that. No, no, no. no it's... It's all there. Yeah, that's worth that's worth seventy dollars. It's right weight in gold. <laughs> they are digital files. I'd like to remind you of that. Yes, the weight in gold. Wait, yeah. Oh, clever mm, wordplay. You bastard. <laughs> so yeah, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/GhostStoryGuys if you want to help out. Now it's time for some listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. So we wanted to thank everyone who wrote in. Of course, everyone who writes to us, we will reply to you. Yeah. And uh, we won't, we, of course, we don't have time to read everyone's messages on air, but we- Sadly, no. Sadly, no, but we will get back to you. So this time around, we'd like to thank Kevin. Rin. Anne. Kimmy. Ray Lynn. Noel. Mel. Ian. Deborah. Bob. Doggy daycare, doggy daycare lady with no name. That's quite the name. Oh, well, she didn't give a name. It's a great story though. Jackie. Josh. Beverly. Matt. Anna. And Andrew. Especially want to thank Matthew for sending in his rendering of Steve the Cheese Demon. Yes. Which I seriously would like to see on a shirt and we're going to publish at some point on the Facebook feed or Instagram or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, we actually have a few pieces of uh, sort of listener art okay. that I've been trying to catch up on putting out. Okay. So uh, in the next few days, we'll be putting up Steve, those, because we have a few cheese of Steve, uh, Steve the Cheese Demons. Yes. So I'd like to put some of those up in the coming days. So thank you, Matthew, for sending in your rendition of Steve the Cheese Demon. Yes. And we also have had Steve's from Rin, from Hannah. Yeah. I'm sorry if you've someone else has sent it in. Again, it's been a while, and I am looking to uh, get those out to everyone. Yes. We had an email from Josh, and uh, we wanted to talk about this briefly um, because we think it can be sometimes a fine line between uh, paranormal experience and possibly physical causes. Mm -hmm. And Josh wrote us with, with quite a fascinating experience that we will be sharing on a Listener Stories episode. And if you have a, a story of your own to share, we would love to hear it. Ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Send it to us. We're prepping a listener stories episode for May, I believe it is. So again, if you've got a story, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but Josh's story uh, actually causes some concern. Absolutely. Both of us equally concerned. Yeah. So we, we communicated that to him and thankfully he went to see a doctor right away and yeah. he's okay. Yeah. Um, and there are some really interesting angles to this that we're going to share on that listener Very mail story. So. Uh, but yeah, we just wanted to say as, as much as Ian and I have had our own share of ghost experiences and we absolutely believe these are a thing. Um, if there are certain things, I, I think it's worth going to see a doctor. Yeah. You know, definitely. just if you have a, a physical sensation that is so completely unusual for you, where you lose sight or you lose your hearing and I'm talking completely. Or you go unconscious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then please speak to a doctor. Go, go and speak to a medical R professional. Rule out, the, rule out the physical causes. And then once we're past that, then we'll talk about the paranormal. Because yeah. again, we're with you. But we want to make sure you guys are safe. And if you have had a story that we've read on a Listener Stories episode and you have an update for us, that would be amazing. Oh, please do. If yeah, you yeah. would like to fill us in on how it's going or if you've had any other experiences or just what's happening with you, we'd love to hear from you. And I, I honestly think all the listeners would too because we all kind of get invested in these stories. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we like to follow along with you. Absolutely. We'd also like to thank the UK band Kyoko who sent a really cool message through my uh, Instagram account. They're going on tour with UB40 
and uh, they've been listening to our show, and I guess we'll be listening to it as they're on the road. Cool. So thank you very much, guys. Let us know if you have any ghost stories from the road. You know, some of the places you're going, I'd be surprised if there wasn't something there. Gators are usually on it. That's it. You can find more from them online at uh, facebook.com slash UK. That's K-I-O-K-O. And guys, if I'm saying the name wrong, please let me know. I... Uh, don't want to sound too much like an idiot. So <laughs> just give me a heads up. But yeah, make sure you check them out. They're playing a ton of dates in the UK coming up. So make sure to check their touring schedule. And uh, if you can, see them live. Say hi for us. <laughs> That's going to do it for listener mail. Again, if you uh, if you have a story you want to share or just comment about the show, send, us to, send it to us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys and on Instagram at Instagram.com slash the ghost story guys. I'm quite proud of our Instagram account. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ghost story guys. And we are, we are, <laughs> and we have a new member who's joined the team. Yes. Who's going to be taking that over for us. Love you, Sarah. Yes. Sarah is going to be joining. Sarah has joined the team. Yeah. She's going to be handling the Twitter. She's going to be the admin over there. So send her, uh, make sure to say hello at Twitter.com slash ghost story guys. And Sarah's going to be running our book club which we will be launching, I think we'll announce that on our next episode. Right. We'll have a forum on Goodreads. We'll talk about the book here on one episode of the month. And I think we'll have a book every two months. Perfect. Is sort of how I want yeah. to have it, uh, have it planned. I think Sarah would run my Twitter. No. Ghoststoryguy at twitter.com. We're not paying her, so probably not. Oh, too bad. <laughs> I have no money. Let's not push our luck. No, here. you're right. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we'd like to welcome Sarah to the team. If you'd like to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to ghoststoryguys.threadless.com. Those neon t-shirts, those are selling like crazy. I know, they're very well, popular. they look awesome. I'm wearing my pink one right I now. Mean, it's I know. very manly. Very manly. Yes, I'm kissing my biceps. <laughs> they are awesome and people are loving them, so yeah. that's great. Thank you. Those are designed by Canadian artist Becky Campbell. Thank so you, thank Becky. Thank you so much, Becky. And uh, again, ghoststoryguys.threadless.com and at uh, bit.ly slash gsgmerch. That takes you to the Redbubble store, and by and large, that's where most of our sales are now, and uh, we're sort of phasing out the Threadless store, but it is still up if you want to use it. You can get to all those links just by going to ghoststoryguys.com. Absolutely. All those links are there, uh, and you can just take what you want. Yep. Well, pay for it. But of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, head on over to ghoststoryguys.com for all that information. We'd like to thank our musical guest, Kevin Eustace, host of the We Need to Talk About Ghosts podcast. You can find more from him, of course, at the We Need to Talk About Ghosts and Just a Conspiracy Theory podcasts, and find more of his music on all the major streaming services and at soundcloud.com slash Kevin J. Eustace. Thank you very much, Kevin. And also, we'd like to thank Mysteries and Monsters, Paul Bestel. He uh, interviewed us a while back. And he our was episode, a lot of fun. He was a ton of fun. Yeah. Our episode just dropped. So if you search for them on iTunes, you'll find it there. He's not on CastBox or Overcast yet, but hopefully soon. Uh, but we are episode three, and that Yay. was a great episode. It, well, the best. Of, of course. Well, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We're on it. I guess that's going to do it. Yeah. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And of course. Anywhere else you listen to podcasts, those shares, those everything, just it help, all helps, man. Help build the show. We appreciate your support and please do share us. And, and, uh, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend who might actually be interested. That would be great. Absolutely. We'll be back in two weeks with a new show. And until then into the darkness we go.
Into the back alley. Oh, right. oh okay. I got it now. Into the men's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I wish I'd sneeze my brains out so I could die. I'd have to think about that again. Huh? Oh. Uh. Kill me. That was a good story. Yeah, it was pretty good. Once upon a time, it really says that? I can't say that. Whoa, 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 she's a lady. lady on fire. <laughs> and she's on fire. Ooh. Ooh. It's a hashtag I use almost every day. <laughs> Mostly the elderly people. All right. <laughs> I just love the idea of you yelling out in frustration, hashtag anything. Hashtag anything. For a guy who doesn't use Twitter, man. It's like when I, I sometimes I get in this mood and I refer to myself in the third person. The Ian is upset. Oh, oh The boy. Ian wants chips. The Ian is pleased. I, I'm even more glad I don't live with you. I don't do it for very long, usually because people just stop talking to me. But yeah. While yeah. I'm in the throes of this third party existential thing, it's quite enjoyable it's like try it's, it. it's like when i sing words to nikki yeah when you sing it all yeah it's fair i think you should do it tomorrow when you're on your way to vancouver it's, the bread and will have the buffet the bread will, well that's a given yeah, yeah. <laughs> be the first person thrown off the boat i want really <laughs> physically thrown i off want the a boat. full report of how it goes for you referring to yourself in the third person i'm not gonna do that oh, brennan <laughs> god you're so boring i know fuck i'm dying here i know i'm getting tired now I've still never heard the listener mail song. We've discussed this. There is no listener mail song. Oh. Stop singing. No! <laughs> the doctor... <laughs> the Ian says stop! <laughs> the Brennan says go fuck yourself! <laughs> oh no, what if we both refer to ourselves in third person? That would get annoying. And then start singing! No, no, nothing is justifiable in that <laughs> You should totally just... Nope. Stupid. Nope. Once I brought out an entire tub of olive oil, we were good for the night. None of this goes in the show.